welcome to episode 21 of the WebJoy podcast. I'm your host, Eddie, and in this podcast, we interview guests about their origin story and what makes them excited and joyful to be part of the tech community. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Everyone has a very important voice with Zach Leatherman. I've been on my own for long enough. Maybe you can show me how to love. Well, thank you for coming to another episode of WebJoy. I'm excited today to have Zach with us. Zach, how about you just kind of share a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you work, brief introduction about who you are to the the audience. Yeah, so I'm Zach Leatherman. I'm a web developer at Netlify, and I'm currently being sponsored by them to work on my previous, what was I guess classified as a side project, Eleventy, a site generator. I'm sponsored by them to work on it full time now, so I'm very lucky to have that arrangement. Yeah, and I'm building Eleventy, maintaining it, and building it. That is awesome and very exciting. Um, you know, to kind of have created a thing like on the side and then get to actually work on that for your day job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I sort of created it like I want to say four years ago. And that's kind of was the bridge to getting employed at Netlify, I think. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's been kind of like a stepping stone in that direction. I love to hear when like, yeah, you do things and those things lead to like different career changes and kind of stepping stones. I guess, what was your journey like, right? Like kind of how did you start, you know, programming and in tech and kind of how did that journey lead to where you built 11T and ended up at Netlify? Yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of been in the game a long time, so it's it's maybe <laughs> hard to distill it all down. But I did make my first website, I think, in 1997. Nice. That was yeah, like middle school, high school, Zach, <laughs> at that point. And right as I think a lot of the web stuff was just kind of starting up for, or at least going more mainstream. Uh, I remember getting my very first like programming book. I think I have it on the bookshelf back here, but it's like two inches thick and it had like HTML 2.0 or 1.0 or something and uh, VRML. I don't know if folks remember that one, but yeah, shout out to VRML from the late (laughs) 90s. Yeah, so I actually went to school for computer engineering, which is only partially software-based. Like uh, a lot of the study that I did in college was um, hardware stuff. And I knew the whole time I didn't want to do hardware stuff. I was just trying to complete my degree. Because, I I don't know, for me, software was more interesting or at least a more rewarding cycle. I don't know if it's just like a a millennial thing where I need like instant validation of, (laughs) of what I'm doing and working on. But yeah, I really got more at least personal benefit out of software. Uh, and I liked it a lot more. So, uh, yeah, I started at Union Pacific and when I graduated college and uh, working in their IT department, which is a railroad company. I don't know if folks are familiar with that one either, but there for five years. And then I started at Filament Group, which really had their roots in a lot of the jQuery uh, community. And I worked up as a remote worker for six or seven or eight years. Um, and yeah. And then I jumped over to Netlify, probably because of the 11D tie-in. And worked on Netlify.com and their various marketing properties there. Um, and then, yeah, just this year, started working on 11D full-time. That's definitely a journey. I 
I was also building websites back in the the late '90s. Were you coding it by hand? Were you using any of you know specific tools? Kind of how did you build that back then? Yeah, I mean, I remember using Alaire Home Site was kind of my favorite editor back in the day. But yeah, I've been through a bunch of different editor epochs, I guess you could say. But yeah, I I liked coding from scratch back then, and I I still kind of like that today or at least getting as close to from scratch as possible. <laughs> I think people can see that maybe reflected in 11D as well. Yeah. I guess, what do you think, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, you really enjoy software, right? As opposed to, you know, hardware as much. You've obviously kind of stuck with this career for a while. What keeps you interested and exciting, right? In like building the web and building things online that, you've stuck with it rather than being like, screw it, throw in the towel, I'm going to find a new job, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I feel like the other interesting part to that question is um, that when you've been in software for a long time, you a lot of times get pushed into management or asked if you want to be (laughs) moved into a more management role. And I, I think the best answer I can give you is that I've always loved to both build things and share things that I've built. And I think that there's a real sense of like community of folks that share that same mindset And I think the web has a very unique sort of, I don't know, community around that, that sort of mindset. Folks that love building things and folks that love sharing how they built it, uh, what they built. And yeah, just kind of being with people that have the same sort of building and sharing mindset, I think is, has kept me in non-management roles (laughs) for quite a while. Well, and that makes a lot of sense that you're working at Netlify, right? Like, the, I promise this isn't sponsored by Netlify, but like Netlify <laughs> makes it really easy to like build a personal website and like throw it out there. Like my site is actually built and powered by Netlify. And so, yeah, I a lot of times it's scary to build your own website because you are like, well, how do I get this up on the internet? How complicated is it going to be to update it and things like that? So I think that that pairing makes a lot of sense that that's something you're passionate about and you ended up there. Yeah, I am kind of kind of lucky in that regard because m- both my side project and my professional work seem to dovetail quite nicely. And I w- sorry if this is just like too much of a plug for my employer, but Netlify does have like this really cool like Netlify drop feature where you can just drag and drop uh, like a bunch of static files and it puts them on the web for you. So it's I don't know if there's another provider that really makes it quite that easy to get something up and running on the web. And it's just live, instantly viewable to anyone in the world from a simple drag and drop. So I don't know. I think that's super cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I've heard of some um, companies that do similar things, but I feel like typically that is tied in with like you having a like a private virtual server as opposed to Netlify where all the server stuff is hidden from you and taken away. So I think you know, those two things paired together is is pretty cool. Well, kind of that leads us into our main topic of the day, which is, you know, something that brings you joy. People listening are probably like, hey, little light bulb above their head. It seems that you get a lot of joy out of this stuff. So yeah, what kind of brings you joy and what's what do we want to kind of talk about as our main discussion point today? I think the biggest thing that I get out of um, at least both professionally and from 11D is seeing folks building their own websites. 
I really like to see people making their own stuff and doing it their own way and maybe not even a way that I would have thought to do it. I feel like once you have your own site and there are no like hard restrictions on what you can share and what you can do and how you can build it, I feel like there's a lot of creativity that comes out of that. Uh, and I just really love to see it. Yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know, I came out of or I came into the professional world of web development right around the time of Google Reader where everyone was sharing their own stuff on their own sites and RSS was a big thing and that was how you shared content. And all of the social stuff was kind of aggregated on top of that via Google Reader. And I feel like social media has taken over that space a lot um, and algorithmic timelines have taken over that space a lot, sort of taking the power away from how folks might want their content to be shared. And I think having your own thing really allows you that control, uh, or at least taking back some of that control in how your content is shared, where it lives, and yeah, having content of your own. That makes a, a lot of sense, right? Because I think, one, building websites seemed a little bit complicated, and suddenly social media came along, and it's like, hey, here's an easy way to share things. But when it first rolled out, like algorithms weren't as big of a factor. And so as the content has grown, right, on Twitter and Facebook and, and all the social medias, like, I don't envy the people building those timelines because there's so much content, you've got to do something, right? Like, <laughs> right. there's not enough time in the world to reach read all the content that are on these platforms. And so they come up with algorithms to try to sort, right, what we want to see. And that supports their business in the best way that they can. But that does make a lot of lack of control, right? Like, I mean, you share something on Twitter and oftentimes it's 10% of the people who follow you who say that they're interested in your stuff actually get to see like what you share. And it's like, wait, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah, and that percentage, I feel like fluctuates <laughs> from week to week or month to month, mm -hmm. depending on the changes that they've made to that algorithm. And a lot of times I just want to see the stuff that my friends are sharing. I don't necessarily want uh, an algorithm to interpret what I might like. Like I have a circle of friends. I want to see everything that they post. Yeah. And I don't want someone filtering that for me. So how you know, do you still use RSS? Do you use a specific RSS reader? Kind of how do you kind of consume that information? Yeah. I mean, I still use Feedbin. Uh, Feedbin works well for me. It is a paid product. But yeah, it's a really nice mobile and desktop experience. So I would recommend that for folks that want to use um, RSS moving forward. I think one interesting challenge, right, with having your own website is like, who's going to come visit my website? So, you know, I think tied in with that is like distribution. So I guess, how do you or do you approach like actually taking stuff that you put on your website and distributing that around the web? In some respects, I'm good at syndicating. In some respects, I'm not. I do put all of my like larger thoughts onto my website as blog posts um, and then share those to social media. It's sort of a manual process. I know a lot of folks have really gotten into automating that where they'll syndicate to a bunch of different services automatically, which I think is really cool. Uh, that's not really a level of automation that I've, I don't know what the word is, um, elevated my tech stack to yet. But yeah, life goals at some point for sure. Yeah, I think I share things manually on social media, but I do have maybe one more sophisticated thing that I've done that maybe folks haven't done is that I ha I maintain a copy of all of my tweets on my own domain. 
Um, so if you go to zachleet.com slash Twitter, you can see it's probably a little bit outdated because I haven't run it in a while, but you can see listing of all the tweets that I published with the media there. And it really, I don't know, allows me to access my second brain if Twitter ever goes away. So I feel like I use Twitter as like a second brain sometimes. So for those listening that, that aren't familiar, a lot of people use personal websites and stuff, but there is kind of like a, a modern movement of people gathered around that focus nowadays called the indie web. And they all have different approaches to how they post stuff on social media or their personal website. So some people post stuff on their personal website and then send it to social media. Zach, it sounds like to this though, like you just engage with Twitter directly and then occasionally you download the Twitter archive and kind of put that archive into your website. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's close. I use the Twitter API to sort of scrape all of the tweets that I have and um, I just have to run it whenever I want it to download a new version. So it's it's pretty automated. It's just, it's a chunky thing. There's like 30,000, 30,000, <laughs> no, maybe, maybe 35,000 tweets um, out there at that point, at this point. So it's, it's a fairly large site because it is generated with 11D as well. So, you know, say someone is thinking about they're intrigued by all of this and they they want to build their own website. I guess do you have do you have like a tip or a suggestion like you know, think about this thing while you're building your website or or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I would start small. I wouldn't start with any stack. I would try and go toolless if you can or buildless like just start with an HTML file. You don't need to, you can graduate to something more sophisticated later if you need to. And I don't mean to talk out of people out of using the thing that I built 11D, but I would say don't, don't use a tool, don't use a build until you feel like that you need to. And the other thing I would remind folks is that it doesn't have to be fancy. Like literally just get something out there and have it up and you'll be surprised at what people engage with. I know it's impossible to tell what people will write. <laughs> like you go into a blog post, do you think I have this awesome idea? You spend two weeks on it and it gets like, I don't know, two likes on social media or something. And then you'll spend like 30 minutes on a, just a throwaway post and it will get like 50 retweets. So it's, it's impossible to know what is engaging to other people. So really just have something simple and put it up. And put yourself out there. I think this may be the hardest part because once your opinions are out there, they are judgeable. <laughs> and so that's another uh, hard thing to deal with. But I would say everyone has a, a very important voice and they, and they should really think about sharing it and putting themselves out there. And don't worry about the sophistication of your tool chain. Nice. That's great. And if you're listening to this and you're a new listener to the podcast, episode five with Michael Leando kind of talks about like, hey, how do you like learn through failure, right? And like kind of overcoming that fear of like doing something new. So if you hear this and you think about it, but you're kind of afraid and you're like, what's going to happen? Uh, maybe listen to episode five and kind of listen to that and kind of let go of any fear of failure and just say, hey, I'm going to put up a web page, even if it's just a single HTML web page. That's great. Yeah, and I and I say this with um, full judgment on myself because I'm such I'm uh, I'm a perfectionist by nature, so it's hard it's hard for me to give this advice because it's not something that I have the best experience following. But yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I tend to overcomplicate and put all the tools. You know, I just did a hackathon recently 
at my company. And so I was like, hmm, how am I going to do this thing quickly? Hey, I'll use a new framework that I've never used before. That's what I should do in a hackathon. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I've been a part of a few hackathons. I think, I don't know how many years ago it was, but when Meteor.js just first came out, I tried that for a hackathon and I went okay. But it's hard to learn a new framework and build something with it at the same time <laughs> that you have a deadline. Absolutely. Yeah, I had 48 hours. Thankfully, the framework actually was really simple, which is what they what they say. It was Remix JS that has just recent or Remix Run that has just come out. And it was actually pretty fun and pretty simple. But awesome. I don't advise using new tools, you know, when you're nervous about something. <laughs> yeah, stick with what you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. I mean, you know, as we wrap up here today, we like to always end the podcast with having, you know, the guests have an opportunity to share something that they've worked on or done that they think might be helpful to the community. Uh, wink, wink. I'm sure no one can guess what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps obvious, but yeah, I've been working on 11D. <laughs> I'm working really hard on 11D for a couple months full time now. We have a brand new Islands partial hydration plugin that just came out last week that I think a lot of folks are excited about. So uh, yeah, check that out. And yeah, also Netlify. I mean, I would not be working full-time on on Elevendy without Netlify sponsorship. So yeah, I mean, long-time listener, big, huge fan of the product. So um, yeah, I guess it's probably pretty obvious what I'm plugging here, but yeah, I'm excited about both of those things for sure. Well, that's great. You know, if anything that you'll have heard today sounds interesting, all the links will be in the show notes. So feel free to go there and click away to Netlify or 11D or Zach's website. And I may even throw a couple other inspirational personal websites that people have built that look really cool. Uh, just give everyone some inspiration. Yeah, that's awesome. There's personalwebsite.es, I think is a good one that lists a lot of personal websites. So check that out. I will definitely throw that in there then for everyone. Zach, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been great chatting. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And everyone, thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you for joining us for episode 21, Everyone Has a Very Important Voice with Zach Leatherman. You can find out more about Zach on his Twitter at Zach, L-E-A-T, or his website, Zach, L-E-A-T, dot com. You can find links to everything we talked about in this episode, as well as a link to Zach's Twitter and website in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, help others discover it as well. Give us a shout out on Twitter, tag a friend or a coworker if you think they'd enjoy it. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter to stay up to date at WebJoyFM. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great day. <laughs>